Thank you, Bill. Kate, um, take your Bibles and uh, turn to Second Peter. Before we go into uh, our study for today, we're going to spend a little time in prayer. Some of you probably uh, know this by now, but um, uh, Jean Taylor was in Mayo toward the end of this week, and they took tests, and uh, the cancer has spread throughout her body, and the doctors are saying she doesn't have much time left, so they'll be coming back up here, and um, she'll be... Uh, given comfort, hospice-type care um, until the Lord decides to take her home. So uh, we just want to pray for her, very special couple to many of us, and uh, lift them up to the Lord and ask Him to use us however however He chooses in the days and weeks ahead. So uh, let's bow for prayer. I'm going to ask you to just say your own words to the Lord. Pray for Jean and Don, the family, um, on your own, and then I'll, I'll pray. Father, these are not um, pieces of information that we want to hear. And yet, Lord, we declare again, like we always do, that you are a loving, sovereign God who, who knows his plan we know you love Jean and Don. We know that they love you. Father, uh, there's great hope here. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would reveal yourself in very powerful and special ways in the days and weeks ahead for Don and Jean. And, and then, Lord, if you would please help us to know how to pray and to know how to um, minister to them. Father, uh, we don't know what we would do without hope in Jesus, the one who went to that cross, to that tree, and gave us life that we might have salvation that brings hope beyond the grave. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And thank you for our friends Don and Jean, and just ask you to Show yourself powerful. Show yourself in many ways in these days ahead. Guide us now as we go into your word. Father, your word stays the same. Your word is constant. Your word is always there. It's the final word. And I pray that you would uh, remind us of that today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what we're doing today is we're concluding our 12-part series uh, called Chapters You Should Know. We've looked at four different chapters. Uh, we looked at Genesis 3, as you recall. We looked at John 10, 1 Corinthians 15, and then we've been looking the last couple weeks at 2 Peter 1. <clears throat> and what we're doing is just going through three weeks per chapter seeing what these important things are that uh, those scriptures say. So today we're going to conclude Second Peter, chapter 1. Uh, we've had uh, two messages so far. We've gone through two-thirds of the chapter. So uh, 
Today we're going to look at verse 16 to the end. Uh, let me read that first, uh, and then we'll uh, see what it has to say. 2 Peter 1, 16. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's how the first chapter of Second Peter ends. Uh, so far we have seen Peter remind the Christians of the resources that they have from God as his people. Uh, they have received, which would be true of us if we know Christ, have received a precious salvation through the righteousness and the work of Christ. We've received a precious faith and salvation. We have received everything that is needed for life and godliness, for living a godly life. That's a big one. But that's what the Scripture says. We have received everything we need. So if you think about anything you might need to live a godly life, you can check it. Got it. Okay? God has given us as his people everything we need. It's there. We're not missing anything. He hasn't held anything back. Everything we need for life and godliness. And then Peter said he's given us all these precious promises. And we talked about a whole list of them two weeks ago. Precious promises. And Peter says uh, that uh, those promises make it possible for us to partake of the divine nature. We can be like Jesus. That's God's desire for us. And those promises can help us to be rescued from the corruption in this world. And there's a lot of corruption in this world. But God has given us resources and promises that can help us escape corruption in this world. Last week, we talked about choreography. In verses 5 through 11, Peter says that since God has given us all these resources to live a godly life, we now are to choreograph all that he's given us into our life of faith. We're to take all those pieces and bring them together. And the word in the text is choregio. We get choreography from it. So we're to add to our faith, it's our responsibility, all these things and make them a part of our life. And we looked at seven qualities that Peter mentions there. And then he says, if you're going to do that, if you will choreograph those qualities into your life, and if they are growing, 
in your life, there are some results, some pretty good results. One is you'll be effective and productive in your walk with the Lord. And we all want that. Secondly, those things will keep us from falling in our walk with Christ. We want that, right? Third, those things will become evidences to us and the world of our calling as Christians. We won't be confused and people around us won't be confused when we choreograph these qualities that we looked at into our life and they're growing, we will know for sure we have been called and have salvation. And the world around us won't be confused. They'll know that we know Jesus. And then finally, the most exciting part, is if we choreograph these qualities, all that God has given us, into our life and they're growing This is what Peter says. Our entrance into heaven will be choreographed. Same word. There will be a rich welcome when we enter heaven. So good stuff already. And as Peter comes to the end of this chapter, he basically says, oh, there's one more thing. There's one more thing that you need to remember one more thing that God has given you that becomes a part of this choreographed life of faith. And that's what we're going to look at. So let's do it quickly here. See what that one more thing is. And we're going to do it by me just uh, giving you three statements that I think sum up what Peter is saying here. And the three statements are on your sheet. So the first statement We did not tell made-up stories about Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Peter says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's probably referring to himself and the other apostles who were going around telling people about Jesus. And I'm sure that there were people, opposition, who would have accused the apostles, Peter included, of just making things up. That this wasn't real, this thing about Jesus, this thing about his ministry, this thing about his death, this thing about his resurrection. There must have been people accusing Peter and the others of just making up stories about this Jesus. And yet Peter says... They weren't made up. We did not just tell you stories. The second statement, he says, we were eyewitnesses. These weren't made up stories. We were eyewitnesses of Christ's majesty. There in verse 16. We didn't follow those cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Just think what Peter saw. Just think what Peter and the other apostles heard as they followed Jesus and were with him morning and night for three years. 
the things they saw, the experiences they had, the things they heard him say. He says, we were eyewitnesses. The things we're telling you about, it's not something we've made up. We saw it with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. Everything Jesus said, everything he did, we are eyewitnesses. What we have told you about him is true. It's true. And then what he does is he brings up one of those experiences that he was an eyewitness to. And as I was reading, you can probably pick out what experience that was. It was the experience on the sacred mountain, he calls it, that mountaintop experience. It's recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, you can turn to them and read it if you want and check me out. I'm going to try and remind you what it was. Hopefully I'll be accurate. But there was the time when, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on this mountain And they saw and heard things that blew their mind. Because Jesus was changed before their eyes. He was transfigured, it says. He became all white, glowing. And then Moses and Elijah appeared with him. And so these three apostles, including Peter, who's writing here, saw Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. Amazing. It was such an emotional, special experience that Peter had a suggestion. Do you remember? He had a plan. He said, Lord, it is so good that we're here. This is amazing. Never had an experience like this before. How about if we build three shelters? One for you, Jesus. One for Moses. One for Elijah. And we just all stay here and enjoy it. And once he suggested that, what took place? There was a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, whom I love. Listen to him. Stop talking, Peter. Listen to him. They heard that voice, and afterwards, Moses and Elijah were gone. And it was just the three apostles and Jesus. And they went down from the mountain to face immediately all the problems that were waiting for them there. But it was one of the experiences Peter had, and that's the one he's referring to here. You know, he says, we were eyewitnesses of the majesty. And verse 17 says, we received honor. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter says, heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. He's saying we were we were not making up stories. We were eyewitnesses. And this was one of the times we actually heard this. We saw this on the sacred mountain. 
third statement that becomes the most important part of the end of this chapter. We did not tell made-up stories about Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of Christ's majesty. And we have something even more important than experiences like the sacred mountain. It is the Holy Scriptures. He goes on to talk about the word of the prophets. And at first you think, well, that's just the word that all the prophets spoke. No, you read to the end. He's referring to the Scriptures, verses 20 and 21. He's talking about the written Scriptures, the writings that were received by the prophets, the authors, the human authors of the Scripture. And he says there in verses 20 and 21, that Scripture, those writings, the Word, did not come about by the prophets' own interpretation. They weren't making up stories. But what they wrote, the scriptures they wrote, came from the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He moved them. He carried them along to write these words. And Peter says, those written words from the Spirit of God, which makes them God's words, are more sure, more certain, more reliable, depending on what translation you have, than any experience, including the one he had on the sacred mountain. As wonderful as that experience, that emotional, spiritual experience Peter and the other two had on the sacred mountain, He says, there is something that is even more sure, more certain, more reliable. And that's the word of God, the scriptures. And, of course, we know that Paul taught about that in 2 Timothy 3. He talked about how. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It comes from the Spirit. It's God's Word. That's what Peter's talking about here, too, as he talks about the Word, the written Word. I think, let me share this with you. I think that it's very easy for people, and I'll just say we as Christians, to want the experiences. We, we want the special spiritual experiences from God, like the sacred mountain that Peter was on. We, we want that feeling, that emotion that goes along with those experiences. And sometimes we want them so badly we seek them. We want them so badly we'll even create them. Because those experiences make us feel close to God. Those experiences make this Christian thing feel more real. And so we go after those experiences. 
There was a young lady who went to the mission field. Her first uh, couple months, she was lonely. Uh, she was there with a tribe uh, and uh, going to be living with them. But she became lonely in the first couple months. She became very disappointed because it didn't seem like the people in the tribe were accepting her. Uh, it was just a struggle. And one day she was sitting out by the river that flowed along this village. And as she was sitting there, just down the river, she saw some of the women of the village. And they were in the river up to their knees, and they were washing clothes and washing dishes, whatever those dishes were like. But it's a bunch of women doing that chore. And as they were doing that, they were singing. They were singing this beautiful song, and she didn't understand the words because it was in their language, and she hadn't learned it uh, yet. But she heard it, and it was so beautiful. They were singing in harmony, and they were singing this same, it sounded like this same um, phrase over and over again. And she sat there, and she was becoming so blessed, and this peace came over her listening to this beautiful music. <clears throat> and it was just something that caused her to experience joy and, and feel the disappointment going away. God was really speaking to her. So when they got done and the ladies were leaving the river, this missionary caught up to them. I began to speak to them. And, of course, the first thing she asked was, um, did the other missionaries that were here before me teach you that song? And the lady said, oh, yes, yes, they taught us the song. And, uh, in fact, they said it was one of the first ones they taught us. And so she said, well, could you tell me what the words mean? And one of the ladies said this. It means, if you boil the water, you won't get dysentery. <laughs> those who seek experiences, those who seek feel-good, close-to-God, spiritual experiences, be careful. Because it's possible to create that experience and experience what you want to experience when it isn't true at all. I remember a time when my parents were visiting us, and it must have been a holiday, because in the living room were all our sons and, and uh, some of the cousins, and they had their guitars out. And the ladies and my mom were sitting in the kitchen. And the guys were playing. And when they got done, my mother said to the other ladies something like, what a blessing it is to me to hear my grandsons singing praises to God. You know what they were singing? Brown-eyed girl. And there is nothing uplifting and scriptural in that song if you know it. 
But see, she had just decided she was having an experience from God that involved her grandson singing praises. Be careful in seeking experiences to feel close to God and to feel like your Christianity is real. Now, that said, there is a place for experiences, and thank God he gives us special experiences. And sometimes they are emotional, and sometimes they do help us feel closer to God, and they, they uh, are really neat experiences. There are those times. But those experiences have their place. They're like, they're like that whipped cream topping in the Christian life. Okay, And God gives us, once in a while, periodically, that whipped cream topping, those special experiences. But friends, do not seek them. Do not create them. Do not misinterpret experiences that just make you feel good as spiritual experiences from God. Because that may not always be the case. Guess what you kind of measure that by? Guess what standard you kind of test them by? What's more certain? What's more sure? What's more reliable and unchanging? It is the written word of God given to the authors by the carrying along of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, yeah, we had these experiences. We were eyewitnesses. We didn't make up stories. In fact, we had that experience on the sacred mountain. But there's a more sure word. There's a more certain word. There's a more reliable word. And it's the word of God written down by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know, those, those two situations I shared with you are kind of humorous. But hopefully they, they get the point across. Here's one that's not humorous. Just in the last week, this was part of a social media um, post from a person who calls himself a Christian. It said, my own experience with God as creator reveals that a literal interpretation of Scripture is way off base. You see what this person is saying? Based on my experience... With God. Doesn't go into detail. But based on my experience, my experience with God, I've concluded that the idea that you can interpret Scripture literally is way off base. Do you think that was an experience with God that would conclude His Word can't be interpreted literally? doesn't mean what it says. That's the danger of experience seeking. You can go so far that experience becomes the authority. Experience becomes what we seek. Uh, some have said that there's a thing going on in our country, they call it feelism. Emotions are sacred. Emotions are the authority. My feelings determine what is real. 
That's dangerous. And even though Peter had had great experiences in three years with Jesus, including the sacred mountain, he is wise enough to say to these people, there's a more sure word. There's a more certain word. There's a more reliable word. And it's the written scriptures, written under the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I think Peter is ranking the word of God above experience. Reminding them of how important that is to remember. Because he's about to die, right? He knows his days are numbered and he's trying to remind them of important things. And it's like he said all this stuff and then he says, oh, there's one more thing. The scriptures. And what does he say? He says in uh, verse 19, we have the word of the prophets made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. He describes the word as a light shining in a dark place. Darkness all around us, but there's the word, God's revelation, his truth right there. Shining. His word, shining. The more certain word, the more sure word, the more reliable word, shining. Isn't that what David said in Psalm 119, 105? You know, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It's a light shining. In the darkness, darkness of untruth all around us. And here's the truth shining. And we have it. God has given it to us, along with all these other things needed for godly living, along with all these promises. He's given us his word. And it is more sure more certain, a more reliable and constant than the most goosebumpy experiences you could have. So make sure the Word of God and its truth is ranked above experience in your life. And when God gives you a special experience, make sure it goes along with His revealed will. Presented here. Our experiences have no more authority than the Word of God. Here's the authority. And that's what Peter ends with here. Uh, let me just um, camp a little bit to end on the statement he makes in verse 19. He says, We have this more certain word, and you will do well to pay attention to it. That's an important statement. You will do well to pay attention to it. What does it mean to pay attention to something? Well, it's there on your sheet. To pay attention means to take hold of, adhere to, devote oneself to, 
Consider carefully. Follow. That's what it means to pay attention. And Peter is saying, you would do well (laughs) to pay attention to the Scriptures. That light shining in the darkness that was given to the writers by the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's more sure. It's more certain. It's more reliable and consistent than any experiences. Put the experiences in the right place, but pay attention to the Word. Adhere to it. Hold to it. Follow it. Commit yourself to it. Submit yourself to it. The Word. Do those definitions there on your study sheet uh, describe you and the Word of God in your life? Take hold of it. Adhere to it. Devote yourself to it. Consider it carefully and follow it. You know, there are people who say, I know that the Scriptures say such and such, but I had this experience. We've got to get the butt in the right place. We should be people who say, I had this experience. It felt good. It was great. But the Word of God says. See the difference? The standard becomes the truth of the Word of God that is more sure, more certain, more consistent. Pay attention to it. Peter says, you would do well to pay attention to it. It would be the right thing to do. It would be the wisest thing to do. And it probably would have more benefits for you if you would pay attention to the Word, the Scriptures. You would do well to be that kind of person. So I say to you, you would do well to pay attention to the Word of God. Enjoy the experiences God gives you. Make sure God is giving them to you. Make sure they they square with the Word of God, His truth. But pay attention to the Word. Seek the Word. Seek the truth here. It is the light shining in darkness. And you need to pay attention to it until the day dawns and the morning star The Greek word is phosphorus, the light, the morning star, rises in your heart. It's probably referring to the return of Christ. Pay attention to his word until he comes and he'll reveal everything. But for now, pay attention to his word. Last week, I uh, I shared with you that I really believe that God is answering prayers that we've been praying um, in these last months, uh, prayers for a rebuilding as a church uh, after the last two years that we've gone through with everybody else in the world, um, a reviving, a renewing. 
And I shared with you that I really think that that's happening. I see things happening in our midst and in some lives. Um, in different ways, God seems to be answering that as far as the rebuilding and reviving and re- renewing. But friends, the key to that, the key to that happening, the key to that continuing to happen in any church is that we pay attention to the written word, that we pay attention to God's revelation to us of truth in his word. Experiences, they'll come and go. We'll get to have some whipped cream on the top once in a while. And that'll be great. It'll keep us going. But most of the time, it's consistently paying attention to, adhering to, following, submitting to the word of God. That's what will keep reviving and rebuilding and renewal going. It's the Word of God, the more sure, certain, reliable Word of God and how we respond to it. May we be people of the Word. May we seek the Word first. And experience the experiences and enjoy the experiences and relish the experiences at those time when, times when God chooses to give them. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you. Um, Peter knew that he had to make this clear. Clear to these Christians that wouldn't have him around much longer. And, uh, Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. I know, Lord, that there are some of us here who would have to say, we've just kind of strayed from, neglected, set aside your word. And we're into other things, even looking for spiritual experiences. But, Father, bring us back to your word. Bring us back to what is sure and certain and true and reliable. May we be people of your word. May we pay attention to it and all that that means. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it seems like to me that in these kind of wild and wacky days where there's a lot of stuff that's not so sure anymore, it's really comforting to have something that is sure. It's a good reminder. Um, We just have one closing song. Please stand. From the breaking of the dawn to the spreading of the
Despair, love that has 